Made Visible is a podcast that gives a voice to people with invisible illnesses. There's no blueprint about how to live with an invisible illness or how to be there for someone who has one. We're here to help people feel less alone as they strive to create a normal life and to create an awareness of how we can be supportive of people who seem fine but aren't. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Made Visible. I'm your host, Harper Spiro, and I'm so glad you tuned in today. Today's episode is brought to you by Lesser Evil. Today's guest is someone who grew up in New York, but moved to Israel and now has a son with peanut and tree nut allergies. Allergies are not a very common topic discussed in Israel, so I wanted to discuss with her what that's about and why she decided to create a product to raise the awareness of allergies in Israel. So welcome, Ali Kashkash. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So happy to have you. It's funny that after me spending several months in Israel, we are sitting here remotely in different countries, not recording together. But in any case, we're here and I'm happy to have you on the show. Let's dig right into this. How did you discover that your son was allergic to peanuts and tree nuts? Okay, so Nadav, when he was seven months old, I was exposing him to, you know, new foods as all young mothers do. And as you probably know, in Israel, bamba is huge, which is the, it's like cheese doodles, but it's peanut based. And they actually say right when Nadav was seven months old, the study came out that showed that Israelis have a lower rate of peanut allergies because they eat bamba from such a young age. And, you know, yeah, yeah. So I was like, this is great. This is perfect. I am American. I love peanuts. Let's give him peanuts now. I didn't give him Bamba, actually. I gave him peanut butter. And I knew about allergies, of course, but it wasn't a thought in my mind. Like, I wasn't scared. I wasn't, I didn't really think about it. I gave him a teeny little bit of peanut butter um, while he was eating, like, mashed up banana or something. And I remember my husband telling me, like, why are you giving him such a little bit? And I said, well, in any case, we'll start off slow. I gave him a teeny bit. A minute later, we were about to leave the house. I go to get him ready to leave. I look at him, and his face was swollen. And at that exact moment, I just, like, first of all, you panic, of course, because your kid's face is swollen. Um, And I just looked at him, and I was like, oh, my God. What do I do now? Luckily, you know, I do know a little bit about allergies, so I took it seriously. We live five minutes from the largest hospital in Israel. So he was okay. I mean, he was breathing. He didn't seem like he was in, you know, immediate danger, but his lips were swollen. His face was red. So we ran to the ER um, and they gave him medication. He was fine. He didn't need an EpiPen at that point or anything. They just gave him some antihistamines and stuff. And they sent us on our way and they told us to see an allergist as soon as we could. And that was the beginning of a long, long journey in discovering what are food allergies and adjusting to our new life. So being in the hospital that day, did you think that this was a bigger thing? Did you think that maybe he was allergic to other stuff? How did you react? I was panicked. And actually, most of the Israelis I spoke to right away were like, so what's the big deal? So he'll be allergic to peanuts. You won't give him bamba. But, you know, in the States, there's higher awareness. And I had, you know, read about allergies and know people that had allergies. So I knew like, okay, no, this is a big deal. Like this isn't something that's just like, oh, we won't give him peanut butter. I didn't think about other allergies at that point, but I was definitely like 
you know, that night, came home, got on Facebook, started looking for as much information as I could, support groups, blogs, everything I could possibly think of. And a week later, we went to the allergist. And actually, at that point, we only discovered that he was allergic to peanuts. Um, at that point, we thought it was just peanuts. Later, um, we found out about the tree nuts. Um, so yeah, it was very overwhelming and kind of like, how are we going to deal with this, especially living here where the awareness is not great, which I can expand upon in a bit. It was definitely scary and overwhelming. And how did your husband, who's Israeli, handle it? I don't think he really knew what to do. I mean, he didn't get it at first. Not that he didn't take it seriously. He did take it seriously. But again, the allergies are not part of the everyday conversation here. Um, it was funny because that study had actually just come out that peanut allergies are low here. And everyone was making fun of me like, oh, you're so American. You brought the peanut allergy to Israel. Uh, <laughs> great. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he didn't really know what to expect. And for those first few months, it was definitely a learning process. I mean, I think my husband took it pretty seriously, but his family, for example, they didn't really get it. They didn't really understand. Of course, they didn't expose him to peanuts or endanger him, but it takes a long time to understand, okay, wait, he can never ever go to an ice cream shop because there's Bamba ice cream and there's other ice creams and everything may be cross-contaminated and we need to read every single package of everything we buy to make sure that Nothing is cross-contaminated or contained peanuts, um, which only got, of course, more difficult when we discovered he had more allergies. And then on his the night before his first birthday, he had a serious allergic reaction, which until today, we don't actually know what it was to. We don't know if it was something that was cross-contaminated. We don't know if he picked something up off the ground and put it in his mouth. That was before we had been diagnosed with the other allergies, so maybe he had one of those. And that's when everyone was like, okay, this is a big deal. Like this kid just was, is one year old and got EpiPenned in the hospital. Oh, so gosh. yeah. At that point, I think everyone was like, not that they didn't take it seriously before, but then it became like real. And also for us, all of a sudden we were like, okay, we need to like readjust everything. We took everything out of our house immediately until today. Our house is 100% safe for him. We don't have anything here. If it's chocolate that may contain nothing, this is his only place in the whole world that is 100% for him and he can eat anything he wants. You mentioned to me previously that he's proud of his allergies instead of feeling like a victim to them. And to your point, you've made this one really safe space, the one place that you have control over. Mm -hmm. How did he develop that mindset of being proud of his allergies and feeling sort of, I don't know if the word is safe in the world in embracing this? I mean, pride I don't know if that's necessarily the right word. I mean, he's definitely not embarrassed of them. And he will tell someone he's he's totally cool with it. I'll put it like that. I mean, would he he's prefer? Now? He's four and a half. Okay. So would he prefer not to be allergic? Yes, of course. But um, he's totally cool with it. He's totally at peace with the situation, let's say. And I think it's because I made an active decision. And, you know, we'll talk more about that maybe when we talk about my business. But to not make him feel like a victim. I. I'm, you know, a part of a lot of Facebook groups and online or even in person support groups. And, and a lot of people come at this situation like, I'm such a victim. Oh, poor me. My poor child. He'll never be able to eat birthday cake like everyone else. Oh, I sit at home and I cry all day because it's so hard. Now, I'm not saying it's not hard. It's really hard. But first of all, I said to myself, okay, we need to take things in perspective. 
allergies are scary. Allergies are life-threatening. My son doesn't go anywhere, literally nowhere, not to the next-door neighbor without his EpiPens or outside, even you know below our apartment. We have a park. Even there, he doesn't go without his EpiPens. Everywhere he goes. It's a very, very serious situation. But on the other hand, we have a lot of control over the situation. We have medications that can save him if he is accidentally exposed. And I know of a lot of other kids who have other serious diseases where they aren't so lucky to have those medications or that control over their disease. So I always try to take it into perspective without, of course, belittling the difficulty around it and not look at ourselves as victims. You know, like, for example, we've been very lucky with all of the daycare and now preschool that he's in to have good situations where everyone took everything seriously, which here, unfortunately, is not a given. So we've found the right places to keep him safe. But for example, if we go to a birthday party or if there's a birthday party at school, he doesn't eat the cake like everybody else. That's just one risk that I'm unwilling to take because the parents, even if they speak to me, even if they get the right recipe, there's too many things that can go wrong. If they, by mistake, use the spoon before to put peanut butter and then use the same spoon. If they bought a different chocolate by mistake than the one I told them to and that may be cross-contaminated. There's just too many factors. So Nadav knows from the day he can remember that when he goes to a birthday party or when there's a birthday party at school, he gets a cupcake that I made him. He likes it. Actually, at school, they give him his cupcake first, so he's happy. And that's the situation. You know, I think that if you told him, oh, Nadav, I'm sorry, you're not going to be able to eat cake today because you're allergic and everyone else is going to eat cake and you're not. And I know people who do it like this, like, sorry, dude, you're, you're different. And then they're going to hate it, you know, and then they're going to hate their lives. But I never, I really made an effort for him to be just like everyone else while taking the proper precautions, of course, you know, so he doesn't care that he doesn't eat from everyone else's cake. He's actually happy. He gets a cake that he likes. So I feel like you have to kind of adjust that mind frame, the mindset. And, you know, there have been moments that he's been upset. Yeah, of course. But we've also live in a very supportive community. And really, the bamba here, that's the biggest, biggest issue. You go to the playground, and everyone's eating bamba. But everyone in our neighborhood knows that he's allergic, and people really make an effort. So we've been lucky that we've been surrounded by people who take it seriously and, you know, also don't say, okay, everyone else is going to eat bamba, and you're going to eat nothing. Absolutely. And I think the big thing is that you know, he's young enough that it's sort of all that he knows. Yes. It usually happens with tree nuts because people don't give their kids nuts when they're young. So I know, you know, most people don't find out like an egg, dairy, or peanut allergy, maybe peanuts, but in Israel, not because of Bamba, but those they find out at a young age because, you know, they're exposed early. But a lot of kids with cashew allergies and stuff like that find out at a later age And that's really, really hard because then all of a sudden you have to like change the entire lifestyle of this kid who knows that like yesterday he was eating this chocolate bar and he was fine and today he can't because it's cross-contaminated or whatever. And also it makes it a bit easier, I think, that Ndav is my first kid because then again, we didn't have to like change his siblings' routines. Like my daughter, my younger daughter, she was born into it. So she knows this we don't have in our house and, and that's how it is. When people have to make massive changes to their family or to their child's routine, that can be very, very difficult. Absolutely. You know, it makes me think about uh, when I was at the National Institute of Health a few years ago, I was dealing with some reactions to different foods and not really being sure of why my skin was reacting the way it was. And I spoke to the head of the allergy department there, and he made it so clear there's a huge difference between a allergy and a sensitivity. Right. Can you explain what the difference is there? 
Yeah. So allergies are when you react to the protein, which is in a food. So basically, it's a reaction of the body that the body basically attacks the protein of the peanut or milk or egg or whatever, and looks at it as an enemy. And it's like an immune system response. That's opposed to like, let's say, lactose intolerance, where lactose is the sugar in the milk. Or you can have people that are just sensitive to all different types of food, which is not life-threatening. They say that any allergy can be any allergy as in the type that Nadav has, which is to the protein, which is called an IgE allergy, can actually be life-threatening. Even if the first time you only had a rash, the second time you never know what's going to happen because it could be related to the amount that you ate, for example, if you only have a teeny bit and then you had a little bit more. So the biggest difference is that the allergies are potentially life-threatening and sensitivities are, you know, it's not nice. I'm sure, you know, you don't want to have an upset stomach, but it shouldn't be a threat to your life. So interesting about how it could happen a second time and be a completely different reaction. Never really thought of it that way. Yeah. You know, there's also people who develop allergies out of nowhere. When we um, discovered Nadav's peanut allergy, his allergist actually told us, don't stop eating peanuts. When you stop eating a food completely, you can, in theory, develop an allergy. And we don't have any allergies, me and my husband, but there is a genetic component to allergies. So she said that we actually may be more likely to develop them and therefore do not stop eating peanuts, which was, of course, difficult because we don't have them in our house and I wouldn't eat them anywhere near him. But, you know, every now and then I do eat them. And once I convinced myself I was having an allergic reaction because, you know, <laughs> I told my husband, I think I'm having an allergic reaction. My mouth feels weird. He was like, you are, you are not having an allergic reaction. So the next day when my son went to school, I bought a huge bag of Bamba. I sat outside of the park and I forced myself to eat the whole thing to make sure that I was alive. So um, yeah, you know, you start going a little bit insane yourself. <laughs> I feel like the title of this episode is going to have to have the word Bamba in it because it's just so wild how everything really ties back to that. And yeah. what's interesting is it's being sold in Trader Joe's. So I think more Americans are going to be familiar with it, right. but it is really crazy how much of a staple it is in Israel. Oh, it's huge. It's the national snack. <laughs> it, it is. Is there such thing as a U.S. national snack, you think? Um, I don't know. Potato chips. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like Lay's or... Yeah. The other issue with Bamba is that it's super sticky and like it's it's everywhere. Like as soon as we eat Bamba, it's stuck everywhere, <laughs> which is an issue when you're allergic. Luckily, it doesn't affect you in that yeah. sense. <laughs> You mentioned that there's a huge mess when it comes to allergy-related information in Israel. Can you tell a little bit about what you mean by that and what the deal is there? Yeah, so allergy awareness is not what it is in the U.S. I mean, I haven't lived in the U.S. with Nadav, but we travel and, you know, I, I read and whatever. And so when I first discovered his allergies, like I said, I was really hungry for information. I really wanted some information. Now, being a native English speaker, I obviously have no issues um, looking in English. But, you know, you also want to find information that's relevant to your local life. You know, what restaurants are good and what kind of snacks can I eat? And I couldn't find almost anything in Hebrew. Like, I couldn't find any blogs. There were zero. We'll talk about how I changed that. But um, I did find some, like, groups online, like Facebook and, and whatever, to find some support. There is an active nonprofit which I also started volunteering for, which really advocate to make life for Israeli kids with food allergies better. I think also a lot of it had to do with that the spike in allergies maybe started here a little later than it did in the States. You know, I've been in this world for four years now, and I do see that it's 
A, the awareness is rising. And I also think the numbers are going up so that, you know, brings it into awareness more. But like, for example, there's a huge mess in the schools with how to take care of allergy kids and what, who will take care of them. And we're making progress, but it's a long road. Like if that took a while in the States, so we're probably 10 years behind. So I imagine that we'll get there, but it's not easy. Um, if people, like I said, you know, when we discovered the peanut allergy, everyone around us said, so don't eat peanuts. And I don't think that in the States, I mean, I'm sure that in the States there are issues as well. Yeah, of course. I'm in groups and I read and I, and I see that there are issues. Of course, you have to educate people. You can't assume that they know things. But I do think the basic understanding there is more. You know, I walk into a restaurant in New York City and I tell them that we have a peanut allergy and they know exactly what to do. Not everyone, but a large majority of the places I've been here, not at all. Would you say that there are a lot of blogs in Israel in Hebrew that are related or dedicated to health? It's just not the specific topic? Um, Yeah, I think there are a lot. You know, Israel is overall a very healthy country. You know, they say that Tel Aviv is like the vegan capital of the world or like one of them. So yeah, I think there are. I just think that the allergy thing is behind, you know, probably we'll get there. But yeah. So I want to get into the business side of things. What were you doing prior to starting your business, which we'll talk about? I moved to Israel in 2007, two months after I graduated college. Yeah, I was 22 and literally bought a one-way ticket and got on an airplane, which (laughs) looking back is quite insane. (laughs) I brought my Elmo doll with me, which is like a half the size of me doll that I had since I was a child. My mom was like, well, if you're taking Elmo with you, then this is like the real deal. (laughs) Um, I came actually to get my master's and then I said I would see what would happen. So I got my master's in um, education and I didn't have a plan to work in education, but I just kind of rolled into it. So I worked for 10 years from 2007 till 2017 in the education world in Israel. I started as an English teacher and then I worked my way up. I worked in a private school and I was in the management Um, And it was good. I liked it. But then when I had kids, my priorities started to change. And then when I, you know, after the allergies and after everything, even more so, you know, you don't think about that before, like, Nadav is four and a half. And I consider myself very um, not hysterical. I'm very, you know, careful. And I don't take any risks, but I don't find myself hysterical. So when I say that Nadav is four and a half, and he has never been with a babysitter that was not family because I haven't been able to let go and trust someone with my kid's life, which I mean, any babysitter you have to trust with your kid's life. Yeah. But in this particular allergy situation, that made it really hard because I sometimes needed help and didn't have it, you know? So there were a lot of factors that went into quitting my job, but his allergy was definitely one of them because I didn't feel, you know, as he's getting a bit older, it's getting easier. But when he was two and a half, no way. I wasn't ever going to leave him with a 16-year-old girl. Just no way. Yeah, understandable. Support for this podcast and the following message comes from Lesser Evil. Lesser Evil was born from a desire to make sinfully tasty snacks with clean, sustainable ingredients. At their factory in Danbury, Connecticut, they control every single ingredient that goes into their products. Their family of snacks includes... Buddha Bowl popcorn, paleo puffs, and green elephant chips. This month, they're launching cage-free egg white curls. I personally am obsessed. 
with their Buddha Bowl Himalayan sea salt popcorn. It is absolutely delicious and feeds my popcorn craving every single time. I'm really mindful of taking care of my body to maintain my health, and I love knowing that lesser evil snacks are good for me. To try Lesser Evil's amazing snacks for yourself, go to lesserevil.com and use promo code MADEVISIBLE for 20% off your order. That's lesserevil.com, promo code MADEVISIBLE for 20% off. And now back to the show. So what is the business that you're running and how did you come up with the idea? When my daughter was born, which was in June 2016, she's about two, a little bit less than two years younger than a dad. Um, I was on maternity leave and, you know, that was a year after we discovered his allergies and a month after she was born, we discovered, or about the same time that she was born, we discovered the tree nut allergy as well, which made things a bit more complicated. And I really, I always wanted to have my own business. I always saw myself as an entrepreneur and someone who you wanted to get there, but I never had the idea. One day I was just sitting around when I was on maternity leave and all of a sudden I said, you know, there's so much lack of awareness here. There's so much information that's missing and these kids are just walking around outside and no one knows that they're allergic and an ice cream or a bomba can kill them. I need to do something about this. And I was like, okay, that's it. Like that's my business. And I decided that I was going to make uh, gear for kids with allergies, bracelets, stickers, a bunch of different stuff. So I, I had the idea, but I, I was supposed to go back to work. And I was talking to my sister, who you know, who is also an entrepreneur. And my parents also have their own business. It's like, I, it's like in my blood, I felt like. And they came to visit after my daughter was born. And my sister told me, well, you know what? Why don't you start a blog? Start a blog, you know, build up a community, get to know people, make connections. And then... When you quit your job and you know really launch your business, you'll know people. So I said, okay, cool, good idea. So I started the blog. I called it Imalergia. Ima in Hebrew is mom, and allergia is allergy. So Imalergia is a combination of the two, which was probably my proudest moment in my life because I came up with the name. It's such a good name. I'm like, oh, there's something here for sure. Yeah. I mean, when you write it in English, it looks kind of weird. But when you write it in Hebrew, it looks awesome. Although I have had some dads complain to me like, well, what about the dads? And I'm like, well, I'm the allergy mom. Like, leave me alone. Talk to my husband. Okay. Uh, So I started a blog and in Hebrew, which was, you know, of course, a massive challenge. That was 2016. So that's nine years after I arrived in Israel. When I arrived here, I didn't know anything. Wow. I didn't realize that. That's wild. I mean, I knew like Hebrew from Hebrew school. Yeah. Yeah. Like how to read the words, but didn't know anything. I don't remember anything of. So that's yeah, no, I, I knew like how to read, but I didn't know what it meant. Yeah. Which everyone thought was so strange. So I um, started a blog, you know, mostly telling people about my life as an allergy mom. Nothing groundbreaking, just this is how I looked for a good preschool for my kid. And this is the challenge that I came across. And this is how we deal with birthday parties. And this is how we, you know, our everyday life. This is how we fly abroad. People are like super stressed about traveling, which I totally understand. So not the medical side of things, really about your firsthand experience with your son and being the mother of someone with an allergy. Yeah, because that's what I felt like was missing. You can go to a doctor and talk to him about what is an EpiPen and when do I need my EpiPen. Although I do try to integrate some of that stuff today. I have interviewed some doctors on the blog and whatever, but 
yeah, stuff that I felt like people don't realize. Like, how do I remind myself to take my EpiPens with me everywhere I go? Like, how do I live? How do I do this? Because that was my biggest question when I first discovered his allergies. Like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to like be strong enough as a mom to take care of my child's life every day? Even something like, I think I wrote a post once about what do I do when I go to the playground and see someone eating Bamba? Because that's scary, scary shit. <laughs> like, oh my God, this whole yeah. place is full of Bamba. Um, so that was the beginning. That was the blog. That was in the summer of 2016. And I went back to work in November 16. In Israel, we have a six-month maternity leave or four months paid. So thank you, Israel, for that. And six months total, if you want. <laughs> and I um, went back in November 16, and I was working on both things at the same time. So then I was trying to develop my products, which was good. You know, I, I had the intention of leaving my job in summer of, of 2017, because I, you know, worked in education. So, you know, it's not looked upon highly to leave in the middle of the school year. So I um, planned on leaving in the summer, I worked up to build all the products. And my goal was to make products for kids with food allergies, I decided in the beginning to start off with the main allergens, which were milk, eggs, sesame, peanuts, and tree nuts, which is actually really interesting, because sesame in Israel is very, very strong more so than in the States. And I also did gluten. Um, those were the first ones. And I wanted to make products that kids would like, that they'd want to wear, but would also get across the message. This isn't the only company that exists in the world with allergy alert bracelets, but I felt like a lot of them were very cutesy. And I wanted mine to be cute, but have a message. So there is an allergen with like a face, but with an X over it. So that people would clearly get like no peanut. So I made the bracelets and the stickers and I quit my job. And two weeks later, I launched the website and, you know, I already had some good connections in the allergy world and I knew a lot of parents at that point. So, and it went completely and totally viral, like immediately. What does that mean? It means that thousands and thousands and thousands of people on Facebook shared my post about my business launching. I had hundreds and hundreds of orders within two days. Like I had more sales in those first few days than I thought I would have in six months because I really didn't even, I knew the need was there. These are the only things of its kind in Israel. There's nothing else that's similar. There are a few like allergy alert bracelets, but things that are like not allergy, like medical alert bracelets, but they're very like fancy and like for adults and like not kid friendly. So I knew there was a need, but I didn't realize how much of a need there was. Uh, I was on TV the day after, like it was crazy. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I should say this and have it recorded, but like I launched the website and I hadn't even bought envelopes yet. I was like, okay, so I'll get a few orders and I'll go to the store and buy envelopes and I'll send them. <laughs> And then I had to send like... Because you had no idea. I, I knew there was a need, but I figured, you know, like any business, it would take time to develop. And, you know, obviously things didn't continue at that rate, right? I mean, everyone was very, very excited in the beginning and things calmed down. But that's when I realized like, okay, people, A, are looking for a way to protect their kids, obviously, and B, want this community, like want someone who they can look to as their allergy guru. Like I said, there is this nonprofit that is very active and, you know, you can turn to them with questions, but it's not the same. Someone wants someone who's their friend, who's a mom like them, who, who knows, you know, exactly what they're going through. 
before you started the blog, did you know other parents of kids with allergies, either in his preschool or elsewhere? Minimal. I think I had met a few, you know, people connected me like, oh, I have a friend with a kid with an allergy. Why don't you guys talk? And also I, I found that so helpful. Like when someone connected me with a different allergy mom in Israel, then I was like, okay, she understands me. Like she can help me, which is exactly what drove me to try to be that person for so many people. And I think that, you know, definitely what drove the idea and the brand was me. You know, this wasn't just another business. This was Imalergia. This was a mom going through the same thing as me. And on my Facebook, I, until today, which is my biggest source of people and following and whatever, most of what I share is just personal information about myself. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, this is my kid. And, you know, there are some things that I choose to keep private. But yeah, I mean, it's people wanted that person that they could talk to. And also, of course, the products are cool. I mean, they really are. So you create these products of bracelets and stickers. How do you then educate people to really understand like to look for them or to know that they exist. I mean, I can't assume like it blows up to the point that it becomes a household name that everyone knows to look for, but how does that work? Well, that was definitely one of my challenges because people were telling me there is no awareness for medical alert jewelry in Israel. And therefore, why should I buy this? And I also launched other products later for other diseases, which I still run into that same issue. For example, um, I have a diabetes bracelet and I have um, penicillin allergy, which those are more medical alert bracelets to tell like, you know, a doctor. And how I looked at the peanut bracelet was not to tell the doctor. I mean, that's good as well, but um, was to tell like the parents in the school or to remind the teachers or to at the playground or at, you know, an after school activity. The education is, you know, it's ongoing. And I also think that a part of the education is really the people who wear the bracelets. So my son, like I told you, this part he was really proud of. He was really proud that this was his mom and that I made these bracelets. He got his bracelets when he was three. He was super excited and he would tell everyone about them. And I thought one of the most important things about their bracelets is not only do they keep kids safe if people see them, but more so they ask kids, what, what is that bracelet that you're wearing? I don't think people know to look for them, but when they see them, then they say, oh, yeah, kids do go around with bracelets today, but they look kind of different. And you see that they have like, you know, they're not like those cheap one cent bracelets that you get. Like, I don't know if they have these in the States, but like here you can buy like an ice cream and it will come with a bracelet, like a popsicle. So they look different. They look like something a little bit more serious than that. So I would see that a lot of kids would ask my son, like, what is that? What do you have on your arm, kids or adults? And that would start a conversation. So the education is ongoing, but um Definitely, it's making more conversation. People have told me also with the stickers. As soon as someone sees a sticker, they ask, they ask what they are, how they can, you know, keep the kids safe. So I think that the products themselves encourage conversation. The look of it reminds me of those things that go into Crocs. I never remember the name of the company, but I just remember the woman on Oprah years ago talking about how it took off in the basement of her home. Um, I just Googled it. I think it's Gibbets. Yeah, okay. Where it's got that sort of playful looking feel to it. But yes, it is different than most bracelets that a kid would be wearing. Right. That was the goal, I think, that it would be fun and the kid would want to wear it. But on the other hand, would, you know, set off a message that was, you know, danger involved. And they have the writing on them as well. Peanut allergy, egg allergy, milk allergy, whatever. 
Yeah. So, so where's the business at now? It's two years later. What impact do you feel like you have made on the allergy awareness world, especially in Israel at this point? Good question. I feel like it's a lot of things. First of all, I feel like the products have definitely raised awareness, but mostly the goal of the actual products is to, you know, like I said, start a conversation and to be a reminder. But I think that I, as myself, have, you know, established myself in Israel as really a major, major resource. Um, Most of the conversations that I have with parents are not, you know, what bracelet should I buy and how much does it cost? But, you know, I'm having an issue with the school and how do I deal with that? Or, you know, 100 other million issues that we deal with as allergy parents. Last year in Israel, I won't get into too much of the politics of it, but in Israel, it's, it's actually pretty interesting. In schools from age three, here we have public school, from, not public school, but public school system from age three, until second grade have an aid if they have allergies, which might sound ideal maybe to some of the people listening, but it's not. It's really to take responsibility away from everyone else that doesn't want to take responsibility for the allergy kids. So last year they canceled the aid program without putting in any other thought process of how are we going to keep these kids safe. So we went out and we protested and rallied and one of my allergy mom friends got arrested. (laughs) It was a big mess. Uh, And in the end, we got them to cancel their decision. And I feel like that was also like, you know, I'm not only, you know, living this life, I'm making a concerted effort to make life for allergy kids in Israel much, much better. If it's going, I've been to the Knesset, which is the Israeli parliament. I've been to meetings with government officials. I've been to meetings in the Ministry of Education. I mean, the products are awesome, but honestly, I'm not going to be a billionaire from the bracelets and, you know, that's okay. But really, I feel like my main mission right now is to make life for these kids better. And I think that we're getting there slowly. I mean, in four years, there's definitely been an improvement. It's not only me, of course, there are other people. And actually, there has been some more stuff that's popped up in the last few years. Not much, nothing competing with me, like a chocolate company that's for kids um, with allergies or stuff like that, which is cool. It means that, you know, there's a need and people are seeing that. But uh, so, you know, we're making progress, but we still have a very, very long way to go. Do these bracelets exist in the U.S.? Yeah, there are companies all over the world that sell them, as far as I know. You know, mine are my own designs and my own concept, and mine are the only ones that exist in Hebrew. Got it. And so... You have a daughter, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. who does not have any allergies and obviously is in this safe home for her brother. Mm -hmm. But what's it like to parent one kid with allergies and one without? Do you feel like you handle them differently? Oh, yeah. Well, it's first of all, it's a challenge because they say that siblings of kids with allergies have a much higher chance of being allergic, which is stressful, of course. So... My daughter, for example, um, both my kids were breastfed, but I was recommended by the allergist to expose my daughter to formula from the day she was born because the theory today says that you need to introduce allergens as early as possible. So you can't give kids peanuts at age, you know, day one, but you can give formula, which is dairy. So she would have a very, very little bit of formula every day just to be exposed. Then at age three months, we got her tested for allergies, although there is some uh, debate if allergy testing is reliable before being exposed to the foods, but you know it doesn't hurt. So we did it um, and everything came back negative. And then I had to expose her, which was 
terrifying. Not only was I scared that she would react, but how do I expose my kid to peanuts and tree nuts when my other kid can't have them and I'm not willing to bring it into my house, especially Bamba, which is like, seriously, it's the stickiest stuff in the world. So that was challenging. I remember the first time we gave her Bamba, she was four months old and we, my husband put a latex glove on his hand because he refused to touch it. <laughs> Even though we were outside and my son was at daycare, but we gave it to him and we were sitting next to the car ready to run to the ER, but she was fine. And we actually kept a bag of Bamba in our mailbox. And <laughs> I know it sounds insane. And we would give her a few pieces every day, like on the way to school. But in any case, today she's almost three and she's um, learning about her brother and she knows that there are things that are safe for him and things that aren't safe for him. But yeah, I mean, with my son, it's everything is an issue. I can't send him to a play date without, I mean, he doesn't go to play dates by himself. Maybe if he was not allergic, he would. But at this point, I don't, you know, I'm not there yet because I can't leave him anywhere without giving like an extensive training on how to use the EpiPen. And I just don't. I'm not there. He has one friend that he goes to that I, you know, I feel comfortable with. My daughter, okay, she's only, she's not three yet. She doesn't have played it on her own yet, but still it's when she goes to school, like for example, today they had a Passover Seder at school and I'm just like, okay, go to school, have fun, bye. As opposed to my son who I have to like talk to the teacher and see exactly what's on the menu and what's special and wait, is this safe? And so it's just, you know, these little things that you take so much for granted, like going to eat ice cream. Nadav doesn't eat ice cream in ice cream places because there's just way too many nuts and cross-contamination and whatever. And he's cool with that. Like, he knows what stuff he can eat. He has popsicles and he has, you know, other ice cream and stuff we buy in the supermarket and whatever. But, like, to take her occasionally when we're alone to eat ice cream, like, it's taking a kid to eat ice cream. This is not a big deal, right? I, I never thought that food would become, like, the essence of my existence. Everything is, I have to think about with him. So yeah, with her, it's just so much chiller. And, you know, like you said, because he's the oldest and he was born into this pretty much, she doesn't know anything else. So she doesn't care that we don't have stuff at home. And when she gets to, you know, eat things out of the house, so she's happy, but she's not, you know, upset about it. I think at the end of the day, there is a lot, I can say this about Nadav and, you know, Yael, who's my daughter, who she's still, you know, not three yet, so it's hard to say, but there's a lot of positive that can come out of allergies, how to take care of one another, how to take care of your friend. I see that with, with Nadav's um, friends from school. The kids are the ones who want to take care of their, of their friends. When we hear all these issues in Israel, like about um, a school that a kid has a life-threatening dairy allergy and they want to take dairy out of the school or the daycare or whatever, the parents are the one who have an issue with it, right? The parents can't imagine not having dairy in the school. But the kids, the kids want to do everything to take care of their friend. And it's happened to me many, many times where we're like, we've been at the playground, we've been at whatever, and the kids will come to me, can the dad have this? Is this safe for him? We don't think there's nuts in it. And they're like four years old. Yeah, they're not big kids oh, that's so sweet and other parents have told me also like it was a birthday party and the kid told me like make sure that it's safe for Nadav don't bring Bamba don't bring whatever so yeah that's cool I think that also I think Nadav has you know turned into the little person he is much affected in a good way by his allergies so yeah he's owning it in a way that's not a negative thing he owns it and I think you have to be like you have to have this resilience you know you have to someone offers him something and he says no sorry I can't have that and the parent 
the parent will usually be like, oh God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offer him that. And he's like, whatever, I don't care. Like, I'm going to go tell mom to buy me something else right now <laughs> that I like. So yeah, they have to learn how to really deal. I think, you know, Nadav is, is still young. The issues with allergies usually come up with older kids because he listens to what I say more or less, you know, I have control over everything he does. You know, if it's going to school or if it's going to his friends or if it's whatever, he's with me or with his teacher all the time. When kids are 16 and you have no control over them anymore, not that you don't have control, but you know, they go out to a restaurant with their friends. Of course. You have much less control. And that's why I also always have made it a point, even at his young age, that we have to live our lives because he's going to go to restaurants and he's going to probably travel and he's going to do things. So if we set an example for him of how do I go to a restaurant, then he will hopefully know when he's older, how to deal with it on his own. You know, of course there's certain restaurants that we don't go to. We don't go to Asian restaurants and we don't usually go to coffee shops because there's just, there's stuff that you just can't, you know, even if they try to make you a safe meal, it's hard, but there are certain restaurants we go to and he hears what questions I'm, you know, I'm asking him. He'll also tell me like, we'll go into a restaurant now. And after he's heard me talk about this for years, he'll say to me like, mom, tell the waitress that I'm allergic. So I feel like if you don't do that, then your kid's going to hit, you know, 14. And there's a reason why most of the allergy related deaths have been actually among teenagers and like people in their twenties. Yeah, unfortunately, that makes total sense. You know, it's interesting, because I think it's one of those reminders where you have to be your own advocate. And obviously, you're his advocate, plus he's doing really well at this, it sounds like. But it's interesting thinking about restaurants, I think, you know, in Tel Aviv, I have a friend who has a really serious tomato allergy. And I also have friends in New York with major celiac issues. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of those things where some restaurants just truly don't take it into consideration. And the employees, the waiters, the waitresses, the managers just are not well informed to really understand that this is not like, oh, I don't like gluten. It's like, this is a serious thing. People just need more education around this for sure. So what is the one thing that you wish people would know about allergies, Israel-related, U.S.-related, just in general? I think exactly what you're saying, that, you know, this isn't, I don't like peanuts or milk makes my stomach hurt. It's, this will kill me. Like, if I eat a peanut right now, my throat will swell, and if I don't get my medication within a few minutes, I can die. And that's an issue. I mean, I it's an issue here, and it's, I think it's an issue there as well. You know, you have to work on education and teach people really what is an allergy. You know, it's funny because when I started my business, I was positive that all of my, you know, outreach and raising awareness was going to be outside of the allergy community. And I learned that, of course, that's huge. But also within the allergy community, we have to teach ourselves. There's so much disinformation. There's so much that people don't understand. There was a death of an Israeli girl a year ago about who was 25 years old and she went to India and she had a dairy allergy and she knew she had it, but she never had an EpiPen. She never realized how severe it was. Every time she was exposed to dairy, she had like minor-ish reactions until she went to a vegan restaurant, which is, you know, in theory supposed to be a good place for someone with a dairy allergy, and it killed her. Oh my God. 
that's when I realized even more like, wow, we need to educate ourselves as well. It's not only those around us who obviously need the education, but it's us as well. So there's a lot of parents who, who call me or email me and tell me, yeah, I was just diagnosed and they said it's minor. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not a doctor. So of course, you know, go with your doctor, but get a second opinion because you need an EpiPen. There, there's no reason not to have one. It could be minor today and it could be horrible tomorrow. So yeah, that's, you know, to educate about the severity, both within our community and outside. I think this is such a reminder of one of the many reasons why I started this show, which is that it's not just about being knowledgeable about the things that are affecting you or people in your family, but really what's affecting the world as a whole and people in your community, because you can be exposed to it and maybe need to help someone out or be able to be more informed in a way that can really be beneficial to the people around you. Yeah, for sure. And I think, um, one of the positive things about allergies, I, I didn't, we didn't discuss this. I don't know if you want to, but um, is that it's a major, major medical issue today in terms of research. Everyone wants to solve peanut allergies in Israel as well. In Israel, there's actually some really good research going on, which is interesting because of you know what's going on in the, in the society as opposed to what's going on in the medical world. Um, there's some really, really good stuff going on, and that's what people told me when I found out about the allergy. They said, you know. One day there's going to be a cure. And uh, Nadav actually is, is in treatment for his peanut allergy, which is... What does that mean? So he started a... It's called in English OIT, oral immunotherapy. It exists in the States as well, but there is a very, very good program here. It's a program which basically teaches your body how to deal with your allergen. They found out, they did testing, and they found out exactly the amount of peanut that Nadav can eat. Everyone has their own threshold. So one kid might be able to eat 1% of a peanut, and one kid might be able to eat a whole peanut before having a reaction. So they were able to find his threshold um, when he starts reacting to peanuts. And then basically you have to give your kid or adult, there are adults who do it as well, a certain amount of the actual allergen every day, um, starting in very, very, very small amounts. It starts off with, they actually start off with protein, like liquid protein of the allergen. And slowly your, your body learns how to deal with, you know, the allergen itself. It's a very aggressive program and there can be, um, there can be reactions, although most people don't have. And the tricky part is that even when you finish, you're still considered allergic. Like you, your testing still comes out as allergic and you still need to have an EpiPen, but your body is able to eat your allergen. So Nadav ate Bamba for the first time in his life, which is crazy. But on the other hand, we're not too overexcited because he needs to eat a certain amount every day and he needs to do it in optimal conditions. If he doesn't feel well, that can affect it. If he, he can't do sports for two hours afterwards, he can't take a shower afterwards. Like it's intense. It's, it's a lot to deal with. But of course, it's, it's worth it because he ate Bamba. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so he's doing that for peanuts now. And hopefully he'll do it in the future for the tree nuts that he's allergic to. But, um, you know, there's those programs and there's other programs out there which, um, which exist. So I think, you know, a lot of people tell me, oh, there's treatment programs? I tell them, well, yeah, like you have to educate yourself as well. You know, you say you have to be an advocate, but you also have to, you know, see what, what's out there, which I'm sure is for any disease, you know, like this is considered relatively, you know, aggressive and relatively here in Israel, for example, it's not covered by insurance. So it's, it's expensive. Um, so everyone has to make their own choice. There's people who decide that it's not worth it for them at this phase in life, which, okay, that's fair. But for us, it seemed like a good decision. 
Yeah, that's really cool. And hopefully he gets to enjoy Bamba, you know, as he gets older and eat the things he wants to eat. But obviously be cautious with all of that. I really appreciate that you took this into your own hands and sort of recognize that there was a gap in the market for this information, especially in Israel, in Hebrew. So I think it's amazing that you turned it into something and it took off and people are recognizing the value in it and really learning to educate themselves on this topic. How can people learn more about you and connect with you and your business? Well, that's a really good question because (laughs) I assume that most people who are listening are English speakers. And it was funny because you asked me how you can read more about me in English. And I was like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) So so right now my stuff is pretty much only in Hebrew, but um, I will send you the information about my website, which I am planning on um, translating into English. And I'm also on Instagram at emalergia and on Facebook. Again, everything's in Hebrew, but you know, I speak English. So you guys know that if you want to be in contact with me, I will answer you in English, of course. When you say you you plan on creating a site in English, is that for the US or just for English speakers in Israel? I'm not sure as of now. Um, You know, of course, if you're looking at a business perspective, expansion is always good. There are a lot of tourists who talk to me, people who want to come to Israel and just think that there's no way they could ever come. So, you know, I also want to be available for those people, less for the English speaking market in Israel, because it's not huge. And, you know, people mostly speak Hebrew as well. But yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what the future holds. Well, good luck. And thank you again for chatting with me. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning into Made Visible. We hope you learned about something new today. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few minutes to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on iTunes. We can't do this without your support. Visit madevisiblepodcast.com. Follow Made Visible Podcast on Instagram. Special thanks to the team who made this possible. Elise Bonebright, the audio editor. Gemma Leghorn, the assistant producer. Dylan Chenfeld for the intro music. And Krista Gray for the logo and design concepts.